Hello and welcome to Rebounding Faith. I'm Gina Ferrari. I'm Kristen Corona. And I'm Catherine Baer. When walking in faith seems impossible and you can't see the purpose in your pain, we are here to help you find hope in the struggle. Welcome to Rebounding Faith. We are thrilled to be back this week with you guys. And we are going to be talking about a topic today that Kristen actually has stepped in to uh, conduct and write for us. I'm thrilled for that today. But before we jump into that, I want to just encourage all of our listeners to be sure and check out reboundingfaith.com. We have a special offer for you guys uh, to be able to receive the seven promises of God. So be sure to go check that out. And you can also um, learn more about us and uh, see some special things that we are listing there. So, okay, Kristen, I'm excited to hear what you have planned for us today. Wow. I am super <laughs> pumped that you guys trusted me enough to do this outline. And I, you know, I feel like I got called up to varsity yeah. or something, you know? It's I was your kind turn of, in the hot seat. It's really nice to show up and put some thoughts down <laughs> relative to your guys' outlines. And I even thought a couple weeks ago when we did comparison, and Gina, you were talking about how you were feeling nervous yeah. and, and comparing yourself yeah. to Catherine. And I just kind of sat there and giggled. I should have known that something was coming my way. <laughs> your turn, your turn. <laughs> well, girl. you guys might uh, might regret asking me to come up with this outline because I will tell you, I talked to quite a few women in my network about what they would want to hear from us in this podcast, and the topics around guilt and shame mm. kept coming up. Ooh. And I know that's not a lovely topic, mm. but it seemed very relevant. Yeah. for our listeners. So I thought we could spend some time talking about that today. And um, really this battle of guilt and shame. And I really, it's interesting when you're, when you're forced to write an outline about something for a podcast, like you were saying before, you just do a bunch of research on it. Yes. Like what exactly does guilt yes. mean? And when someone's feeling shameful, what is that about? And so I, what I realized is that guilt is very familiar to all of us, even though we may describe it in different ways, could be a bothered conscience, I guess, feeling culpable for an offense or something that we did that we feel um, regret around. I think as an emotion, it can feel very dark, mm. lonely. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. And something that kind of like, it just, it just lingers. It demands our attention. Mm -hmm. I know when I do something that I feel guilty about, it's like it, it won't go away until I address it. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I, what I found was that guilt is often paired with a feeling of shame. Mm. And I want to talk about that in a second because there's a, a couple of things that I, that I heard and that I listened to that I think really helped me resonate with how, how they're very different, actually. Mm -hmm. But they do often get paired together. Yeah. yeah. So I guess just to kick it off, like, what do you guys think about the topic? Yeah, I think the guilt part... Um, for me, it feels more like um, when I get convicted about something, um, when I know something isn't quite right, that I didn't do the right thing or say the right thing or behaved in a way that I, I, I kind of regret and feel convicted and feel like I need to get right with God over it. That's, to me, sort of guilt. And shame, to me, is something that um, you wear. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's really powerful. Yeah, guilt, to me, is definitely the 
action, right? It's, it's, it's resulting from an action. So, you know, in lighter terms, maybe, oh, I blew my diet, right? I have mm-hmm. guilt because yeah. I had yeah. too many calories for lunch or whatever. Um, but maybe shame might be, I am fat, yeah. right? Would that be the difference? So it's like one is a resulting from an action and another is almost like an identity. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I think so. The more I, I research this topic, it, that's really what I, what I think I came to as well. And obviously there's a lot of differing opinions on this topic, but I, I do think that guilt set, like seems to come more from a, a mistake we feel mm-hmm. that we made or a behavior that we're not proud of. Yeah. Maybe I'm rude to somebody. I say something that I, that I regret saying. And I think if you look at it in that way, guilt could actually be somewhat of a gift, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the feeling that you feel when you break your diet, which I think mm-hmm. all of us did oh, over yeah. Halloween. <laughs> I had like 75 pieces of candy that I would oh, never eat my gosh, at any candy. point. <laughs> yes. And then it's followed up with Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Pumpkin yeah. pie. Yeah, randomly, yeah. Of Just course. loaded on. But I, I think that's a gift. Like it's a it's a feeling of um, it's it's like a soul signal mm-hmm. that alerts us when we need to deal with something. Soul signal. Yeah, I like that. Good. I heard that. I kind of liked it. Yeah, yeah. So, Kristen, I just have a question on that. So, is guilt guilt almost seems like it might be easier to I don't want to say rectify if that's the right word, but to resolve perhaps than shame. Would that be an accurate statement? I think so. Yeah. It, it, as hard as it is for me to admit when I've done something wrong, you could just ask my husband about that. <laughs> I do feel a lot better. If I, you know, if I was rude to someone or I said something I shouldn't have said, I keep going back to that example, mm-hmm. then I, I do feel better when I apologize for yeah. that and yeah. say, I'm really sorry. My behavior was terrible. Yeah. And I think acknowledging that and you, you kind of put it to bed and then you move on. Right. And, and I agree with that. I, I think that's a good way of thinking about it, that yeah. it, it really is a behavior. And, um, if you get that soul signal yeah. to address yeah. it, it actually can be a really good thing. Yeah. I think, Healthy. At times. Healthy. Healthy. I never yeah. ever equated feeling guilty with a gift. Yeah. Not so much, but when you think of it and you you put it that way, you haven't heard of a guilt gift, Gina? No, no just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm gonna get you one for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, but when you when you put it that way, yeah. it really is kind of a gift to us that we um, we can acknowledge it and we yeah. can oh thank you thank you that I realized what I've just said or done or how right. I behaved wasn't okay and let me make that right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And first first John one nine says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. Amen. I love that. Yeah. So I think that's a good way of looking at it. And I think while healthy guilt, like we said, can lead to our own healing or helping heal, you know, potentially broken relationships. Um Shame can really shut us down. Mm. Shame is definitely something I think that is longer lasting. And um, I want to talk about one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, who I'm sure a lot of yes. you guys have Love listened her. to, read her Great. books. But in one of her um, really popular TED Talks, she breaks down shame and guilt. And I thought it was very relevant based on what we've been talking about already. But she says that shame is a focus on self while guilt is a focus on behavior. Mm-hmm. So exactly what you alluded yeah. to, Catherine. And this, I think, is really powerful, so I want to let it sit for a second. But she says, while guilt acknowledges I did something bad, shame takes it much further and imagines 
I am bad. Mm. Yeah. And Gina, I know that you've spoken with us about your battle with guilt and shame, and you recently even wrote a blog about this topic. I was hoping that you might be able to share some of your story with us. Oh, yeah. Um, Guilt and shame. My gosh. More shame is what I would say has been... And, you know, when I wrote it in the blog, like a cloak that I wore around me that I carried everywhere with me, um, deep, deep shame. And because it, it did become me believing that it was who I was and that I deserved to carry that cloak with me everywhere. Um, oh, this is not the easiest um, subject to talk about, but um, we've promised to be... Um, real with you guys and talk about the things that aren't easy to talk about. And so I will, I'll share with you. Um, when I was a eight-year-old little girl, I was sexually abused. And because of that, uh, the trauma that went with that, um, and I didn't tell anyone. Um, when I was 13 years old, I began to pull my hair out. And there's a disorder that is called trichotrillomania, and that is the pulling of your hair. And oftentimes it's because of a trauma, severe trauma. But we certainly didn't know that at the time. I didn't, I didn't know what trichotrillomania was until I think I was like 30. Um, but I started, I started pulling my hair out, and I didn't understand why, but I would go into the bathroom at night and literally disappear into the mirror where I wasn't anymore. And I would just pull my hair out and I would feel relief, some release from it that I didn't understand, but it's how I felt in the moment. Like I just was getting some relief from some internal war that was going on within me that I didn't know how to describe. Um, And then I would come out of that kind of days that I was in and I would see a hair or the counter just um, filled with hair and immediately, oh my gosh, I would just grab it and put it in a a tissue and and, and throw it in the trash and hide it and and feel horrible about it. Just what am I doing? What is wrong with me? Who does that to themselves? Who pulls their beautiful hair out? I did. And it wasn't until you know, I had a lot of a thick, pretty hair and it wasn't until my mom was brushing my hair right now and said, oh my gosh, you've got like a little bald spot. Well, what, what has happened? And I, what happened? And I said, I did, I did it. And um, that was the beginning at 13 of a 30-year battle. Mm-hmm. A 30-year battle of pulling my hair out. And let me tell you the amount of shame that comes with that when you hurt yourself willingly, not understanding why you're doing it, being, but being so compelled to do it um, and getting relief from it. Ah, it's a tough one. And I did so much damage to my follicles that by the age of, of 20, I couldn't wear a ponytail or a hairstyle that was going to cover it up. And 
So I had to start wearing wigs at 20, and that's young. And that was a long time ago. And wigs weren't what they are today, you know, and so many people wear them now just, you know, uh, as an accessory and changing up their style. But that wasn't the case for me. And um, so I felt a lot of, I felt a lot of shame about that. And, you know, when you come out of abuse, I didn't, I didn't want anyone to get too close to me. I think part of my pulling my hair out was to make myself unattractive so somebody wouldn't like hurt me. Like on a subconscious yeah, level. Yeah, definitely yeah. subconscious for sure. Um, and at 13, between 13 and 20, you're not, at, at definitely at 13, you're not going to understand the full ramifications and Oh, what is going on? Yeah, Catherine, not yeah. until I was yeah. in my 30s and in therapy right. did right. I understand any yeah. of it. Yeah. But the fact is I did so much damage to myself that I, women and their hair, it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a big deal. And there were so many things that it affected because I couldn't just dive in a pool like someone else could. You know, I do, I wore a wig, and I didn't want I didn't want anyone to even know that. Um, so I was you were hiding so yes, many things, so, as part hiding of this secrets, shame cycle. hiding. Yeah, and and wearing the wig was shameful in itself, and I I, I didn't want people to know, and but I couldn't stop. You know, and um, so it wasn't the wig, Gina, because if if you think about it, like people who suffer from cancer or mm-hmm. going through chemo and, and they're losing their hair and they're wearing wigs. Yeah. You don't often associate shame with that. No, but, but they the didn't shame, they didn't do that to themselves. I was themselves. just going to say, so the shame is rooted in that you inflicted this upon yourself. Myself. You did this to yourself. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just want to make sure that that... Yeah. No. Clear. Gosh, there's all kinds of reasons that people have to wear wigs and it's all acceptable, but... When you willingly do yeah. that to yourself, so that's the root. That's of the, shame. the root of the shame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Do you remember when when you were thirteen, mm-hmm. right? And obviously, you had done it for for a while, but you mentioned that you would stand in front of the mirror and you would, you know, start pulling, pulling, and it was mm-hmm. almost like you like weren't yourself. It was like almost yeah. like like this like outer body experience Absolutely. of some sort. Do you feel like do you remember how you were feeling in those moments? Because you did say, like, it felt good momentarily, but yeah. then after you felt shame. Yeah, in the moment, it was it was like I disappeared in the mirror. That's how it started, but it, then it progressed. It wasn't just at night in the mirror. Um, it was when I was stressed. It was when I was... It became your coping mechanism. A hundred percent, Catherine. Exactly. It is how I coped with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I didn't know how to feel, every situation that I didn't know how to deal, Mm -hmm. you know, with, I would, I would pull my hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was a moment of relief somehow that I got, and it's a chemical reaction, you know, it's a disorder. So there's something that goes with it. I, I don't understand it all, but I did feel relief until I stopped. Uh, for the mm. for the night or for that moment or when I realized and, even and then when you I, had the shame then immediately I had the shame yeah so do you want to walk us through Gina because like if you talk about guilt right tied to something you did well pulling your hair out is something you did 
But how did it go from guilt to shame? Um, I think the shame came because it wasn't a one-time event. I didn't just hurt someone's feeling by being rude and I could apologize. I did this to myself repeatedly for years. And each time I did it and each time I couldn't stop doing it, I began to have self-talk about how worthless I was. So it became, I am. I am. Worthless. Worthless. I am bad. It, it yes. became part of your identity. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. In your blog, you talked about the, the heaviness of that cloak. Yes. Right? And how you would take it off and then you or someone else would put it back on you. Yes. And you just kind of kept with that cycle, that vicious mm -hmm. cycle. Do you, do you remember what you were thinking when that would have you keep going back and doing it? Um, no, like Catherine said, it was just a coping mechanism. Yeah. It's what, it's just what I did. Some people bite their nails, but, you know, we all have our own little, mm -hmm. uh, releases of stress or how we cope that aren't healthy. Yeah. Um, some people eat too much. I mean, it just, it, there could be so many things for me. It was, um, I did not have control over it. It was a compulsion to do this compelled. I could not stop myself from doing it. It was like an addiction. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So you had to have that, I don't want to say a high, but like a, yeah. a relief. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it would drive yeah. you to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 And you know, the, the thing about that is like you were saying, it was, it, it, there was that, but you guys, my life has just been riddled with shame and, and we'll talk more about that, you know, on other times, but more of my story, but a lot of decisions that I made, it, it, it's, you know, look, me pulling my hair, I didn't start that on my own. Yeah. It was because of what was done to me as right. a child, right. that, that self-hatred mm -hmm. inside, the war that went on inside. And when I made decisions in life that uh, affected other people, just made my little cloak of shame a little heavier, a little heavier, a little heavier, till I wore it as, like I said in the, in the blog, like the coat of many colors that Joseph wore, but mine was a Mine was a cloak of many ugly names mm. that had been put on me, that I spoke to myself, that had been spoken to me. Um, it was heavy. And I would take it off at times, and I would lay it down, like you were saying, Kristen. And then someone would pick it up and put it on me, or I would just pick it back up because I was more comfortable in the shame, and I didn't know how to fully let it go. And it wasn't until... I came to the point with a lot of work and a lot of therapy and a lot of healing from God, just, just taking my mess and, 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 and turning it into a message and, and a mosaic that, that I started to realize that I was truly worthy. I, I, was, a, I was a daughter of, of the creator of the universe. I wasn't shame. I didn't have to wear that anymore. And when I was able to finally lay it down and let it go. And leave it there. And leave it there and walk in freedom, 
the shame of that, of the hair situation is gone. I carry it not at all. I used to really not want people to know that I wore a wig. I don't care who knows that I wear a wig yeah. now. I'm yeah. not ashamed of that at all. It's something that happened in my life. I am not the same girl that did that or a young woman that did that to myself. I am a whole woman who has no reason to carry the shame of that with me, and I refuse to do it or allow anyone else to make me feel that way. So I, I just want to say something really quick here because I think so many times we get caught up in the superficial part of life and we mm. only see our appearance. But I have to say when you were talking just now, I had this realization that I've known Gina for probably four or five years now. And I know that she, I look at her and I say, okay, uh, blondish, sandy blonde hair, you know, is what the wig would be, a little longer than her shoulders, you know, whatever. But the point is, is that I don't see the hair. What I see is what is inside. I see the heart. I see the giving. I see the caring. Um, I see the wisdom. And I see your heart. And it's... It's something that I don't, I just had that realization just now that we're spending so much time talking about your hair. And yet in all the years that I've known Gina, I've never even really noticed it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And yet that was such a source yeah. of great yeah. shame for you. And you've had so many, you have so many beautiful qualities, you know, that I see. Thank you. Yeah. And you know what it did do, too, is make me very compassionate. Mm -hmm. um, when you oh, go definitely. through something like that and, you You're you know, it, it makes you more compassionate because we all have stuff. We all have a story. Some people's you can see and some, some people's people you can. can't. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're 100%. not there. But well, now, I definitely want to hear... Uh, thanks for telling that yeah, story. Yeah. I know yes. it's hard. It yes. is yeah, hard. And too. I don't want to just continue on yeah. without acknowledging um, that I really appreciate your vulnerability and mm. sharing that. And um, to your point, Catherine, Gina is, is such a strong woman and we will a little bit later get into that path that you took to get to a place now where you don't feel that shame anymore. But mm -hmm. I think when you were telling your story, something really resonated with me and, and that's everybody has some sort of feeling or coping mechanism yeah. related to their shame. And it might be pulling out your hair. It might be hurting yourself in some other way, maybe even physically. It might be eating. It right. might be starving yourself. There's a lot out it there. It might be being so busy yeah. that you cram your day full of stuff. So you don't have to feel anything. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that um, it, what it really got me thinking about was just being mindful of, to your point, that compassion around how someone's shame might be showing up because mm -hmm. it's usually not at the surface going to be as simple as why is she pulling her hair out? That's so strange. Like, why doesn't she think she's beautiful? Why is she doing that to herself? And there's so much there that you would have to unpack before it even began to make sense. And even then, it would be really, really hard. Um, so I, I think that's something we should spend a little bit more time on is, is really unpacking why we go to that deep of a place and feel that bad about ourselves and more so too, why do we keep, why do we keep doing it? What what's going on that makes us continue to go back and pick up that cloak and put it back on? 
Right. Why can't think? we just leave it? Yeah. Leave it there. Yeah. I, I think that I can only speak, you know, from my own experience, but I think that the longer you wear shame, the heavier it becomes and the more it does become part of your identity. Mm. Um, you question everything about who you are and everything for me stemmed from this broken, unworthy, undeserving place. Mm -hmm. And so I think the longer, yeah, it just gets heavier and heavier and you somehow adapt mm -hmm. to whatever your situation is. And pretty soon this heavy cloak feels normal to you until you are able to take it off yeah. and feel that freedom mm -hmm. and that relief. And then just leaning into trusting God, knowing the truth of who he says you are, rather than the lies that you have repeated over and over in your mind or the allowed the evil one to speak to you, that tape that plays yeah. uh, that says, no, pick that coat back up, put yeah. that back up. You know, on. I think also um, what came to mind is it's not just a coat, but it's also chains. Yeah. It's the chains that keep you bound to whatever it is that you are struggling with. Mm -hmm. And... You, you, it prevents you from experiencing that freedom mm -hmm. yeah. in God. And so, you know, I've often wondered about, you know, when they describe Jesus as a chain breaker, right? To be able to break those chains, to allow us to experience true freedom for whatever that is. And I think shame is so powerful that it's really Jesus who does that who breaks those chains and allows us to really embrace freedom. Yeah. And live I in love it. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to know too, peace, oh. to know peace, right? Mm -hmm. Because when the shame is gone, it's going to be replaced with something, something that God gives you. He takes away the shame. He forgives you. You forgive yourself. And then the shame gets replaced with freedom and with peace and with joy right. and with yeah. all the things that, that God tells us to think about right. what is good and lovely and kind, all of those things become who you are yeah. instead of yeah, the shame. Yeah. Well, we, we've talked about a couple different examples about how we might wrestle with guilt and shame and um, some of the, the choices that we make or the decisions we make. And, and sometimes I don't think it's, it's as obvious as it's, it's the wrong decision or it's a bad decision. I think there's a lot of decisions that uh, we as women might make in our life that is the best decision given the circumstances. And again, just kind of tying it back to all of the women I spoke to in preparation for this, I want to ask you both as mothers, like, what is mom guilt? Let's talk about <laughs> that for a second, because it came up a million different times. Yes. And when you were talking, Gina, about how this, this shame kind of becomes who you are. It feels like sometimes with mom guilt, it's just like this lingering thing. It's like, if you don't feel guilty about one thing, you're feeling guilty about something else. Oh my else. gosh, it totally is. And I just have to ask, I would be very curious if there's such a thing as dad guilt. Yeah, <laughs> because, right? <laughs> uh, in my house, I have just a quick funny story on a tangent, but I have a 19-year-old son that is still at home with us. Our daughter, of course, has moved, gone on to college. But uh I still have mom guilt about making dinner and, you know, making sure that he gets dinner, whatever. And I'll say to my husband, you know, oh, I, um, 
you know, I want to be able to make something for our son or whatever. And, uh, and he goes, well, why, why do you have to do this, you know, every night? Or why do you feel like you need to do this every night? And I said, well, because, you know, he's going to move on. He's going to leave and he's going <laughs> to, and Todd, you know, say, he's never leaving. <laughs> You're making this. it he's too comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, again, curious if dad guilt exists. But yeah. guilt, I think mom guilt absolutely does. And it, it I think it's rooted in our us being a nurturer mm. and mm-hmm. really wanting to take care of every need and nurture that. And um, but I do think that, you know, in my case, you know what, my son is 19. He can <laughs> right. definitely find himself dinner. So I think there's a time where, you know what, it's probably not that appropriate anymore. Um, but yeah, I think absolutely it, it exists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we as women, especially if you're trying to work and yeah. be a mom and take care of the house and, you know, earn the bacon and bring it home and fry it up in a pan, as they used <laughs> yeah. to say, right? Can do it all. Yeah. I mean, that is, I am every woman kind of thing. Yeah. Like there's, there's going to be guilt, I think for sure yeah. associated yeah. with that. I, I think that too. And I think part of it is the comparison thing. Mm, every definitely. mommy blog that's telling you how she's, she's She's killing it. She's getting it all done. And you think she's growing uh, her own lettuce yeah. in addition to <laughs> exactly. making the salad. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So I think that part plays into maybe mom guilt. Some, my boys are grown. They're, you know, men now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, and I had to, um, work. Uh, I was a single mom. And so I had to work full time and I worked two jobs sometimes. And I'm so blessed that my family really stepped in there and, and helped me out so much with um, raising my youngest son. And um, so I didn't feel shame. I definitely felt guilt. I would say, oh my gosh, you know, he's got a baseball game and I can't make it there um, because I have to work. But I was doing what I had to do. And so I think to me, it was easy to separate. I didn't feel shameful of that. I was doing what I had to do to to make end meets, uh, and and someone was stepping in for me. My parents would be at the game or whatever, or it might have gone deeper. But yeah, I I think mom. You'll want you'll find out one of these days, Kristen. Yes. I mean, I feel like I have a little bit of it right now with the pups, right? We've got our right. little baby puppy and oh. I feel guilty right now. I'm I'm here with you guys and I feel <laughs> torn to be over there. So cute. Yeah. Um well, I, I appreciate you guys sharing some of that too, because uh, again, I I have so many friends who are mothers and the the mom guilt seems to be very real mm-hmm. and it very heavy, right? I, I have some some friends who have kids and, and they stay at home and they feel guilty about that. They feel guilty that they're not doing what they want for their career because they're staying at home. And then I have other friends who work and who feel guilty because they're not staying at home. And it's been, you know, one of the things I think has been kind of interesting to see even on social media is I do feel for a long time it was like the the mom who could do everything, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not very relatable. Then we kind of shifted to it was kind of cool and trendy to like be a mess and not have everything together. <laughs> yeah, right. But probably somewhere in the middle is authenticity, right? Where you're really yeah. just saying like, I just am who I am. And, you know, if you tie that back to even what Christine talked about last week on the episode about like if you're really centered in God and, and who ultimately you are serving, then what other people think doesn't matter. Right. The shame is about what you think about yourself. That's harder because the things we tell ourselves could be worse at times than things that anybody could ever say to us. 
Absolutely. And I think, too, it's something where when we're talking about the topic of motherhood, that every situation, it's very circumstantial. So, you know, every child is unique and different in every situation. Every family dynamic is unique and different. And so I think sometimes guilt and shame can be rooted in not in, you know, whether I work outside the home or whether I work inside the home, but it can be rooted in how do I handle this situation that has presented itself to me? Or I have a wayward child or I have you know, this situation where you can feel incredible amounts of guilt and shame based on how you are trying. I mean, you've never been presented with this situation ever before. Your friends and family are walking through the situation. So a lot of it can be rooted in how you address something like that. And I think where you just have to have grace for yourself. And I just want to encourage anybody who has younger children out there or kids that are still in the home and growing up, uh, just in what I've come to recognize is that just by loving them and believing in them and being in their corner, that those situations will play out. And that that's what they will take with them. That's what I have seen. That's been my experience and also with others. um, And when they walking with friends uh, going through that same thing. And so we do so much harm when we beat up on ourselves, I think, for not being, quote, better or handling that situation better. Um, That I think that just, you know, being able to give ourselves that grace to walk through that situation is critical. Yeah. It's a good segue because I, I think that what I wanted to get into next was really just about like w- what ideas do we have related to how we can best support each other in this because it is something that we all feel to some extent, different phases of our life and have different guilt and shame around various things that we've experienced or are experiencing. So I'd love to get your guys's thoughts on how we might best support one another. Um, I do want to read just two verses first that I that I saw. And uh, Gina, again, you had alluded to one of these in your blog, but the first was Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 29. Come to me, all who are weary and have laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And the second is Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Mm, Those are so good. Yeah. Love that. thought it might provide just a good um, overarching kind of message when we start thinking about how to best support one another. Because we've talked about this again, too. It's like, it sounds so simple to say, if you're rooted in your faith, then you'll be able to oh, like yes. kick this shame thing to, have to more the faith. curb. And yep. so we're kind of back to that again, too, mm-hmm. right? So it's how, as, as women, how can we support each other? Mm-hmm. What are some ideas that you guys have or things that you've witnessed or have you felt support from other people in your life? That is so good. And I think um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that a lot of times people want to keep this hidden. Mm -hmm. You know, women don't want to 
talk about this and be vocal? I mean, who wants to raise their hand and volunteer all of the areas that they, especially if they firmly believe that they are bad, a bad mother or a bad provider, bad, bad whatever. Bad human being. Bad human being, yeah. So I think definitely this is just critical for us to recognize that a lot of times it's not going to be spoken. And so what I believe is when you speak words of love into someone in their life and you encourage them, Mm -hmm. I'm a big encourager. So I'm always trying to find ways to, you know, really validate someone or point out what they're really good at Mm -hmm. and what their strengths are. And, you know, mention that and give examples um, and people will respond to that and hopefully they will carry that with them. Yeah. I think that's awesome, Catherine. I think encouraging each other, uh, supporting each other, praying for each other. We're doing a podcast so we can reach out to, to women and encourage them and let the Lord love on them through us. And so I think it's showing up wherever you can, in whatever way you can, Um, and really taking the time. Uh, We have such busy lives, so really taking the time to check in with those. You know, when Christine was talking about her angels and her friends showing up, we got to be better friends, better Mm -hmm. sisters, better, you know, it's for showing up and and really being there and let people feel seen and heard and that they matter. Absolutely, and the holidays are coming up, Mm -hmm. right? So what better time to to reach out and check in. But one thing I wanted to just mention to you guys, uh, I think it's worth mentioning, is that when we carry shame, that oftentimes might result from sin Mm -hmm. of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When I learned the definition of sin, it was was like life-changing to me. And the definition of sin is basically just missing the mark of perfection. So if you think of like a bullseye, right, like that getting right at the center, that's perfection. But whether it's out a little bit or a lot, right, you've missed the whole ring altogether. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter because we're all outside of that ring of perfection. We're never going to hit perfection. And so it doesn't matter what the sin is that we're carrying the shame for. We've all missed the mark. So I think it is recognizing that, that there is no list of sins that are graver than the other. We're all outside the mark. And so I think it's just understanding that and having grace both to ourselves and to others. Uh, Such a good point. I love that. I also think, too, don't assume that you know how someone's feeling. True. Right? Mm. I think that... um, I don't really know that the golden rule applies, right? Like treat people how you want to be treated. Um, I I think ultimately you would want to treat people how they want to be Be treated. treated. And and that's hard sometimes if you don't ask. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kind of going back to the the working mom thing, um, I, I, I need to do a better job of this, but especially we have so many women that go out on maternity leave at work and mm-hmm. just calling them when they come back and just saying, hey, I don't want to assume that I know how you're feeling. How are you feeling mm-hmm. about being back at work? Yeah. That's and great. opening up the door to have a conversation yeah. or conversely, right? Another one of my friends just had a baby and calling her and saying, how, how are you doing at home? Yeah. How, yeah. how are you feeling? Yeah. Right. Because like with my struggle with infertility, I might just think to myself, like, 
at least you got a baby. Like, hope yeah. I'm sure, I, that's great. That's like the best blessing in the world. But there's so many women who deal with postpartum or yes. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Like, don't assume that you know how someone's feeling. So th- that would be something else that I might suggest is just don't be afraid to ask the question. To check in. To just check in and say, hey, I don't want to make any assumptions here. How are mm-hmm. you doing? How mm-hmm. are you doing with this? And, um, and, and combine that with what you guys said about being intentional, mm-hmm. being better friends, um, making the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe even when you start your week and you're having your quiet time, write down a couple people that you feel like you need to check in with mm-hmm. yeah, and pray for them and pray, pray that God helps you figure out the right way to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, again, I'm going to tie, tie things back to the Brene Brown stuff that I, I read too in preparation for this. And she said something that really stuck with me here. And she said, what we don't need in the midst of struggle is shame for being human. Mm-hmm. And, she also said we cannot selectively numb emotions. When we numb the painful emotions, we also numb the positive emotions. Wow. So it's almost like if, if you didn't have that low point of feeling shame, mm-hmm. would you really feel as good as you do now about overcoming that? Yeah. I, I think back to you, Gina, and the story that you shared, and it's like as terrible as that was and as low and low and low as it could be, that feeling that you feel now of mm. overcoming that must feel so special. So good. So good to just walk in joy and to walk in freedom and to walk in peace and forgiveness feels so good. And you don't take it for granted. Probably, no. Like some people might. No. And I don't want any yeah. woman out there, or any person out there listening to walk in it a moment longer. You can lay it at the feet of Jesus, accept his yoke and let him put that on you because it is light and let him take your burdens and walk away from them and don't look back. So Gina, let me ask you this. Um, is there anything you would recommend for someone who is struggling with shame mm-hmm. and doing the back and forth dance, laying it down, picking it up, laying it down, and just can't seem to get past that? Yeah, my goodness. I, that's a big loaded kind of question. How do you get over it? I think you have to come to the t- point that you hate it so much that you'll do anything yes. to get rid of it. It's so heavy, you can't walk anymore. You cannot carry it another moment. So you're rock bottom. Rock bottom. Yeah, and just... Um, That's genuine. not very uplifting. Yeah. Is there a way to get there before you get to rock bottom? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Wouldn't that be nice? Don't uh, let your coat get so heavy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stop it before it Empty gets so heavy. Empty the pockets. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, no. So, but you know, the the beautiful thing is that um, Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to our pain. He's the answer to our shame. We can, we can put our faith in Him and um, live, live as daughters of the King Most High. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'll leave you guys with this, and I think it again it ties back to what Christine talked about last week, but. Um, I, I think it's a good opportunity for us to allow ourselves to be angels for other people mm, to, so and to, um, to use God's word to be able to walk alongside people and to be able to help them through this and think through all of it, giving grace and know that God is using all of this 
for good and that there's purpose in it. And as challenging as it may be to put that cloak down and leave it there, um, it is possible. So really appreciate you guys. Thanks for letting me uh, set the outline for this podcast. Good job, Chris. You did great. Yay. Thank you guys so much. I hope you have a great week and we'll uh, see you guys next week on Rebounding Faith. Bye. God bless everyone. Thank you for joining us. Come and join us next week and be sure to like and subscribe to Rebounding Faith.